Chapter Thirty of Monsieur Lecoq, Part Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tony Oliva. Monsieur Lecoq by Emile Gaboriau, Part Two, Chapter Thirty though among the first to be arrested at the time of the panic before montaignac the baron d'escorval had not for an instant deluded himself with false hopes i am a lost man he thought and confronting death calmly he now thought only of the danger that threatened his son his mistake before the judges was the result of his preoccupation he did not breathe freely until he saw maurice led from the hall by abbe midon and the friendly officers for he knew that his son would try to confess connection with the affair then calm and composed with head erect and steadfast eye he listened to the death sentence in the confusion that ensued in removing the prisoners from the hall the baron found himself beside chanlouineau who had begun his noisy lamentations courage my boy he said indignant at such apparent cowardice ah it's easy to talk whined the young farmer then seeing that no one was observing them he leaned toward the baron and whispered it is for you i am working save all your strength for to-night chanlouineau's words and burning glance surprised m d'escorval but he attributed both to fear when the guards took him back to his cell he threw himself upon his pallet and before him rose that vision of the last hour which is at once the hope and despair of those who are about to die he knew the terrible laws that govern a court-martial the next day in a few hours at dawn perhaps they would take him from his cell place him in front of a squad of soldiers an officer would lift his sword and all would be over then what was to become of his wife and his son his agony on thinking of these dear ones was terrible he was alone he wept but suddenly he started up ashamed of his weakness he must not allow these thoughts to unnerve him he was determined to meet death unflinchingly resolved to shake off the profound melancholy that was creeping over him he walked about his cell forcing his mind to occupy itself with material objects the room which had been allotted to him was very large it had once communicated with the apartment adjoining but the door had been walled up for a long time the cement which held the large blocks of stone together had crumbled away leaving crevices through which one might look from one room into the other m d'escorval mechanically applied his eye to one of these interstices perhaps he had a friend for a neighbor some wretched man who was to share his fate he saw no one he called first in a whisper then louder no voice responded to his if i could only tear down this thin partition he thought he trembled then shrugged his shoulders and if he did what then he would only find himself in another apartment similar to his own an opening like his upon a corridor full of guards whose monotonous tramp he could plainly hear as they passed to and fro what folly to think of escape he knew that every possible precaution must have been taken to guard against it yes he knew this and yet he could not refrain from examining his window two rows of iron bars protected it these were placed in such a way that it was impossible for him to put out his head and see 
how far he was above the ground the height however must be considerable judging from the extent of the view the sun was setting and through the violet haze the baron could discern an undulating line of hills whose culminating point must be the land of the reche the dark masses of foliage that he saw on the right were probably the forests of sermeuse on the left he divined rather than saw nestling between the hills the valley of the oiselle and escorval escorval that lovely retreat where he had known such happiness where he had hoped to die the calm and serene death of the just and remembering his past felicity and thinking of his vanished dreams his eyes once more filled with tears but he quickly dried them on hearing the door of his cell open two soldiers appeared one of the men bore a torch the other one of those long baskets divided into compartments which are used in carrying meals to the officers on guard these men were evidently deeply moved and yet obeying a sentiment of instinctive delicacy they affected a sort of gaiety here is your dinner monsieur said one soldier it ought to be very good for it comes from the cuisine of the commander of the citadel m d'escorval smiled sadly some attentions on the part of one's jailer have a sinister significance still when he seated himself before the little table which they prepared for him he found that he was really hungry he ate with a relish and chatted quite cheerfully with the soldiers always hope for the best sir said one of these worthy fellows who knows stranger things have happened when the baron finished his repast he asked for pen ink and paper they brought what he desired he found himself again alone but his conversation with the soldiers had been of service to him his weakness had passed his sang-froid had returned he would now reflect he was surprised that he had heard nothing from madame d'escorval and from maurice could it be that they had been refused access to the prison no they could not be he could not imagine that there existed men sufficiently cruel to prevent a doomed man from pressing to his heart in a last embrace his wife and his son yet how was it that neither the baroness nor maurice had made an attempt to see him something must have prevented them from doing so what could it be he imagined the worst misfortunes he saw his wife writhing in agony perhaps dead he pictured maurice wild with grief upon his knees at the bedside of his mother but they might come yet he consulted his watch it marked the hour of seven but he waited in vain no one came he took up his pen and was about to write when he heard a bustle in the corridor outside the clink of spurs resounded on the flags he heard the sharp clink of the rifle as the guard presented arms trembling the baron sprang up saying they have come at last he was mistaken the footsteps died away in the distance a round of inspection he murmured but at the same moment two objects thrown through the tiny opening in the door of his cell fell on the floor in the middle of the room m d'escorval caught them up someone had thrown him two files his first feeling was one of distrust he knew that there were jailers who left no means untried to dishonor their prisoners before delivering them to the executioner was it a friend or an enemy that had given him these instruments of deliverance and of liberty chanlouineau's words and the look that accompanied them recurred to his mind perplexing him still more 
he was standing with knitted brows turning and returning the fine and well-tempered files in his hands when he suddenly perceived upon the floor a tiny scrap of paper which had at first escaped his notice he snatched it up unfolded it and read your friends are at work everything is prepared for your escape make haste and saw the bars of your window maurice and his mother embrace you hope courage beneath these few lines was the letter m but the baron did not need this initial to be reassured he had recognized abbe midon's handwriting oh he is a true friend he murmured then the recollection of his doubts and despair arose in his mind this explains why neither my wife nor son came to visit me he thought and i doubted their energy and i was complaining of the neglect intense joy filled his breast he raised the letter that promised him life and liberty to his lips and enthusiastically exclaimed to work to work he had chosen the finest of the two files and was about to attack the ponderous bars when he fancied he heard some one open the door of the next room some one had opened it certainly the person closed it again but did not lock it then the baron heard someone moving cautiously about what did all this mean were they incarcerating some new prisoner or were they stationing a spy there listening breathlessly the baron heard a singular sound whose cause it was absolutely impossible to explain noiselessly he advanced to the former communicating door knelt and peered through one of the interstices the sight that met his eyes amazed him a man was standing in a corner of the room the baron could see the lower part of the man's body by the light of a large lantern which he had deposited on the floor at his feet he was turning round and around very quickly by this movement unwinding a long rope which had been twined around his body as thread is wound around a bobbin m d'escorval rubbed his eyes as if to assure himself that he was not dreaming evidently this rope was intended for him it was to be attached to the broken bars but how had this man succeeded in gaining admission to this room who could it be that enjoyed such liberty in the prison he was not a soldier or at least he did not wear a uniform unfortunately the highest crevice was in such a place that the visual ray did not strike the upper part of the man's body and despite the baron's efforts he was unable to see the face of this friend he judged him to be such whose boldness verged on folly unable to resist his intense curiosity m d'escorval was on the point of rapping on the wall to question him when the door of the room occupied by this man whom the baron already called his saviour was impetuously thrown open another man entered whose face was also outside the baron's range of vision and the newcomer in a tone of astonishment exclaimed good heavens what are you doing the baron drew back in despair all is discovered he thought the man whom m d'escorval believed to be his friend did not pause in his labor of unwinding the rope and it was in the most tranquil voice that he responded as you see i am freeing myself from this burden of rope which i find extremely uncomfortable there are at least sixty yards of it i should think and what a bundle it makes i feared they would discover it under my cloak and what are you going to do with all this rope inquired the newcomer i am going to hand it to the baron d'escorval to whom i have already given a file he must make his escape to-night so improbable was this scene that the baron could not believe his own ears 
i cannot be awake i must be dreaming he thought the newcomer uttered a terrible oath and in an almost threatening tone he said we will see about that if you have gone mad i thank god still possess my reason i will not permit pardon interrupted the other coldly you will permit it this is merely the result of your own credulity when chanlouineau asked you to allow him to receive a visit from mademoiselle lacheneur that was the time you should have said i will not permit it do you know what the fellow desired simply to give mademoiselle lacheneur a letter of mine so compromising in its nature that if it ever reaches the hands of a certain person of my acquaintance my father and i will be obliged to reside in london in future then farewell to the projects for an alliance between our two families the newcomer heaved a mighty sigh accompanied by a half angry half sorrowful exclamation but the other without giving him any opportunity to reply resumed you yourself marquis would doubtless be compromised were you not a chamberlain during the reign of bonaparte ah marquis how could a man of your experience a man so subtle and penetrating and acute allow himself to be duped by a low ignorant peasant now m d'escorval understood he was not dreaming it was the marquis de coutomieux and martial de sairmeuse who were talking on the other side of the wall this poor m de coutomieux had been so entirely crushed by martial's revelation that he no longer made any effort to oppose him and this terrible letter he groaned marianne lacheneur gave it to abbe midon who came to me and said either the baron will escape or this letter will be taken to the duc de richelieu i voted for the baron's escape i assure you the abbe procured all that was necessary he met me at a rendezvous which i appointed in a quiet spot he coiled all his rope around my body and here i am then you think if the baron escapes they will give you back your letter most assuredly deluded man as soon as the baron is safe they will demand the life of another prisoner with the same menaces by no means you will see i shall see nothing of the kind for a very simple reason i have the letter now in my pocket the abbe gave it to me in exchange for my word of honour m de coutomieux's exclamation proved that he considered the abbe an egregious fool what he exclaimed you hold the proof and but this is madness burn this accursed letter by the flames of this lantern and let the baron go where his slumbers will be undisturbed martial's silence betrayed something like stupor what you would do this you he demanded at last certainly and without the slightest hesitation ah well i cannot say that i congratulate you the sneer was so apparent that m de coutomieux was sorely tempted to make an angry response but he was not a man to yield to his first impulse this former chamberlain under the emperor now become a grand prévôt under the restoration he reflected should he on account of a sharp word quarrel with martial with the only suitor who had pleased his daughter a rupture then he would be left without any prospect of a son-in-law when would heaven send him such another and how furious mademoiselle blanche would be he concluded to swallow the bitter pill and it was with a paternal indulgence of manner that he said you are young my dear martial the baron was still kneeling by the partition his ear glued to the crevices holding his breath in an agony of suspense 
you are only twenty my dear martial pursued the marquis de courtornieu you possess the ardent enthusiasm and generosity of youth complete your undertaking i shall interpose no obstacle but remember that all may be discovered and then have no fears sir interrupted the young marquis i have taken every precaution did you see a single soldier in the corridor just now no that is because my father has at my solicitation assembled all the officers and guards under pretext of ordering exceptional precautions he is talking to them now this gave me an opportunity to come here unobserved no one will see me when i go out who then will dare suspect me of having any hand in the baron's escape if the baron escapes justice will demand to know who aided him martial laughed if justice seeks to know she will find a culprit of my providing go now i have told you all i had but one person to fear that was yourself a trusty messenger requested you to join me here you came you know all you have agreed to remain neutral i am tranquil the baron will be safe in piedmont when the sun rises he picked up his lantern and added gaily but let us go my father cannot harangue those soldiers for ever but insisted m de courtornieu you have not told me i will tell you all but not here come come they went out locking the door behind them and then the baron rose from his knees all sorts of contradictory ideas doubts and conjectures filled his mind what could this letter have contained why had not chanlouineau used it to procure his own salvation who would have believed that martial would be so faithful to a promise wrested from him by threats but this was a time for action not for reflection the bars were heavy and there were two rows of them m d'escorval set to work he had supposed that the task would be difficult it was a thousand times more so than he had expected he discovered this almost immediately it was the first time that he had ever worked with a file and he did not know how to use it his progress was despairingly slow nor was that all though he worked as cautiously as possible each movement of the instrument across the iron produced a harsh grating sound that froze his blood with terror what if someone should overhear this noise and it seemed to him impossible for it to escape notice since he could plainly distinguish the measured tread of the guards who had resumed their watch in the corridor so slight was the result of his labors that at the end of twenty minutes he experienced a feeling of profound discouragement at this rate it would be impossible for him to sever the first bar before daybreak what then was the use of spending his time in fruitless labor why mar the dignity of death by the disgrace of an unsuccessful effort to escape he was hesitating when footsteps approached his cell he hastened to seat himself at the table the door opened and a soldier entered to whom an officer who did not cross the threshold remarked you have your instructions corporal keep a close watch if the prisoner needs anything call m d'escorval's heart throbbed almost to bursting what was coming now had m de courtornieu's counsels carried the day or had martial sent some one to aid him we must not be dawdling here said the corporal as soon as the door was closed m d'escorval bounded from his chair this man was a friend here was aid in life i am bavois continued the corporal someone said to me just now a friend of the emperor is in danger are you willing to lend him a helping hand i replied present and here i am this certainly was a brave soul 
the baron extended his hand and in a voice trembling with emotion thanks said he thanks to you who without knowing me expose yourself to the greatest danger for my sake bavois shrugged his shoulders disdainfully positively my old hide is no more precious than yours if we do not succeed they will chop off our heads with the same axe but we shall succeed now let us cease talking and proceed to business as he spoke he drew from beneath his long overcoat a strong iron crowbar and a small vial of brandy and deposited them upon the bed he then took the candle and passed it back and forth before the window five or six times what are you doing inquired the baron in suspense i am signalling to your friends that everything is progressing favourably they are down there awaiting for us and see now they are answering the baron looked and three times they saw a little flash of flame like that produced by the burning of a pinch of gunpowder now said the corporal we are all right let us see what progress you have made with the bars i have scarcely begun murmured m d'escorval the corporal inspected the work you may indeed say that you have made no progress said he but never mind i have been a locksmith and i know how to handle a file having drawn the cork from the vial of brandy which he had brought he fastened the stopper to the end of one of the files and swathed the handle of the instrument with a piece of damp linen that is what they call putting a stop on the instrument he remarked by way of explanation then he made an energetic attack on the bars it at once became evident that he had not exaggerated his knowledge of the subject nor the efficacy of his precautions for deadening the sound the harsh grating that had so alarmed the baron was no longer heard and bavois finding he had nothing more to dread from the keenest ears now made preparations to shelter himself from observation to cover the opening in the door would arouse suspicion at once so the corporal adopted another expedient moving the little table to another part of the room he placed the light upon it in such a position that the window remained entirely in shadow then he ordered the baron to sit down and handing him a paper said now read aloud without stopping for an instant until you see me cease work by this method they might reasonably hope to deceive the guards outside in the corridor some of them indeed did come to the door and look in then went away to say to their companions we have just taken a look at the prisoner he is very pale and his eyes are glittering feverishly he is reading aloud to divert his mind corporal bavois is looking out the window it must be dull music for him the baron's voice would also be of advantage in overpowering any suspicious sound should there be one and while bavois worked m d'escorval read 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 he had completed the perusal of the entire paper and was about to begin it again when the old soldier leaving the window motioned him to stop half the task is completed he said in a whisper the lower bars are cut oh how can i ever repay you for your devotion murmured the baron hush not a word interrupted bavois if i escape with you i can never return here and i shall not know where to go for the regiment you see is my only family ah well if you will give me a home with you i shall be content whereupon he swallowed a big draught of brandy 
and set to work with renewed ardor the corporal had cut one of the second row of bars when he was interrupted by m d'escorval who without discontinuing his reading had approached and pulled bavois's long coat to attract his attention he turned quickly what is it i heard a singular noise where in the adjoining room where the ropes are honest bavois muttered a terrible oath do they intend to betray us i risked my life and they promised me fair play he placed his ear against the opening of the partition and listened for a long time nothing not the slightest sound it must have been some rat that you heard he said at last resume your reading and he began his work again this was the only interruption and a little before four o'clock everything was ready the bars were cut and the ropes which had been drawn through an opening in the wall were coiled under the window the decisive moment had come bavois took the counterpane from the bed fastened it over the opening in the door and filled up the keyhole now said he in the same measured tone which he would have used in instructing his recruits attention sir and obey the word of command then he calmly explained that the escape would consist of two distinct operations the first in gaining the narrow platform at the base of the tower the second in descending to the foot of the precipitous rock the abbe who understood this had brought martial two ropes the one to be used in the descent of the precipice being considerably longer than the other i will fasten the shortest rope under your arms monsieur and i will let you down to the base of the tower when you have reached it i will pass you the longer rope and the crowbar do not miss them if we find ourselves without them on that narrow ledge of rock we shall either be compelled to deliver ourselves up or throw ourselves down the precipice i shall not be long in joining you are you ready m d'escorval lifted his arms the rope was fastened securely about him and he crawled through the window from there the height seemed immense below in the barren fields that surrounded the citadel eight persons were waiting silent anxious breathless they were madame d'escorval and maurice marianne abbe midon and the four retired army officers there was no moon but the night was very clear and they could see the tower quite plainly soon after four o'clock sounded they saw a dark object glide slowly down the side of the tower it was the baron after a little another form followed very rapidly it was bavois half of the perilous journey was accomplished from below they could see the two figures moving about on the narrow platform the corporal and the baron were exerting all their strength to fix the crowbar securely in a crevice of the rock in a moment or two one of the figures stepped from the projecting rock and glided gently down the side of the precipice it could be none other than m d'escorval transported with happiness his wife sprang forward with open arms to receive him wretched woman a terrific cry rent the still night air m d'escorval was falling from a height of fifty feet he was hurled down to the foot of the rocky precipice the rope had parted had it broken naturally maurice who examined the end of it exclaimed with horrible imprecations of hatred and vengeance that they had been betrayed that their enemy had arranged to deliver only a dead body into their hands that the rope in short had been foully tampered with cut End of chapter thirty
recording by tony oliva albuquerque